Hello, I'm Rena Grobe. And I'm Madvi Romani. And this is Misinformed, a show where we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So Rena, what did you get obsessed with this week? If you're living in Germany, you might be well aware that the election is coming up. It's very hard to avoid because everywhere on the street there are these campaign posters. And recently, you and I were walking down the street looking at the various campaign posters talking about the different parties, what even is the point of these campaign posters, are they effective, do they hit the right demographic, and generally having a very interesting discussion, as I think all of our discussions tend to be. Of course. Very interesting and informative. So yeah, this week I've just been thinking about the upcoming election. I know we've done an entire episode on Merkel, but there's so much more to consider this time. Who are you voting for? How do you vote strategically? How does this voting system in Germany even work? What are we even voting on? What's going to happen? Obviously, for a country like Germany, this election is incredibly important, not just for the country itself, but for Europe. But actually, on a global scale, it's also super important. And yeah, Merkel's been our chancellor for 16 years, so it's a big change. So yeah, this week I've been thinking about the upcoming German election. I know we have a lot of listeners in the UK and the US and the rest of Europe, but what I find as somebody coming from England in Germany when it comes up to elections, there's this super old-fashioned way of campaigning and it's actually in the shape of placards that are hung up on all the lampposts and stuff. So they're sort of A3 size, they're very small, mostly with a picture of your local representative, sometimes it's just words. And for example, I just walked past one today for the CDU that said Freiheit statt Socialismus, which means freedom instead of socialism. The CDU is more conservative, but they're placing themselves obviously squarely against the left. And then I walked across another one from the left saying this is Hauptstadt, capital, it's a global center, but it's also everyone's home. So clearly they're looking at how to make the city livable for everyone. It's really interesting when you're walking down the streets, you're getting a lot of political messages, whereas normally you don't. And in these small, small forms where they have very few words. So in my area, there is mostly the Green Party, the CDU, the SPD, which is a bit left. The CDU is a bit right, center right, center left. The Green Party is the Greens, and the Linke, and then Volt. Yeah, Volt is everywhere. Volt seemingly came out of nowhere. The interesting thing about Volt is, it's exactly the same name, more or less, as Volt, which is a food delivery service. So when I first saw them, I was so confused. I was like, did they change their colors, their messaging? Did they get their branding confused somehow? And then I realized it's actually a political party. Volt have been around since 2013. They're a pan-European party. They ran for the first time in 2019 in Germany. But actually, this election is the first time that they've sort of been very hyper-present on a Germany-wide scale. So three weeks ago, I was in Munich visiting my parents, and the Volt posters were everywhere. And they're everywhere here in Berlin. So this is the first election where they're really making their presence 100% known. Their campaign is very good because there are more Volt posters in my area than FTP posters. FTP is like the very liberal, pro-business, pro-digital, new kind of stuff. Would you describe them as liberal? The FTP? Liberal, I mean, as in liberal economics-wise. Oh, like neo-liberal. Interesting, yeah. 
Because, like, for me, the FDP, I think of them as being very, not necessarily conservative, obviously, but more so, like, pro-business. I yeah. Liberal is not the first word I would have thought to use it, but, like, maybe neoliberal, maybe, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. No, I mean liberal in terms of economics, so they are gotcha. very pro-business, which means they believe in a free market, so free liberal market type. Yeah, exactly. And they were in government before, and there's one poster in my area, whereas the Volt posters are everywhere. Yeah, Volt's very interesting. So we actually did the Valomat, which, for those of you who are not German, is a thing you can do online where they ask you a series of 38 questions, and some of them are quite obvious. There are some questions where, like, this is a really silly question to be asking but basically, they're just trying to place you politically, and they tell you which percentage you agree with which party. So, 78.4% we agree with the Tierschutzpartei, which is the Animal Protection Party. 75,7% we agree with the Left Party. 75,7% as well we agree with the Green Party. And 73% we agree with Die Partei. We also agree 73% with the Volt Party. So, I mean, I think that, I mean, I think the Tierschutzpartei, that was kind of a surprise because they haven't really been on our radar. I had never heard of the Tierschutzpartei. Apparently they are, they exist in Netherlands and everything. They're quite, Tierschutz in English means animal protection party. So that's what misinformed the podcast is most aligned with, according to the Valomat. The left party is the Communist Party, which I think both of us would never actually vote for. But apparently, according to the Valomat, we agree with a lot. Yeah. The Green Party is very middle class, which I guess so are we. So we, it's strange that we very middle class plus communist at the same time. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess the Tierschutzpartei makes sense. We're both vegetarians. <laughs> I'm making a joke, sorry. Yeah, and I think it's also Tierschutz falls into this area where environment is a big concern. And of course, the world is burning literally. So I think it makes sense the Green Party would probably be the most logical thing to vote for and strategically the best. Yeah, strategically, I personally think the Green Party makes the most sense to vote for because the Tierschutzpartei has actually very little chance of getting into the parliament. And I think that when it comes to voting in elections like this, it's all about strategic voting. So in Germany, there are 60.4 million people who are eligible to vote. And overall, you have two votes. The first vote is for a member of parliament. And this member of parliament then will go to the Bundestag. And the member of parliament, they vote for the chancellor. So in Germany, you vote for a member of parliament who then votes for the chancellor. You do not vote for a candidate directly. The second vote you have is to determine the overall percentage that each political party gets in the Bundestag. Every party needs at least 5% of the votes to get into the parliament, which is why it's kind of very important to vote strategically, because the Green Party need at least 5% of the votes to get into the parliament, so you need to give them your votes. Now, if you don't know, Germany votes on September 26th. It's always a Sunday. And actually, for Berliners, it's a bit more complicated because in Berlin, you have six votes in total. You don't just have these two federal votes. You have two votes for the Berlin Parliament, that's the Abgeordnetenhaus, a vote for your local districts, the Bezirksverordnungsversammlung, or the BVV, and a vote in the referendum of expropriating Deutsche Wohnen. 
Deutsche Wohnen is a company here in Germany that own over 155,000 apartments. And basically, in this referendum, they want to decide whether or not the German government should take control over some of Deutsche Wohnen, essentially because affordable housing is a huge major issue in Berlin. And there are a lot of initiatives to make affordable housing available. So if you're voting in Berlin, these are the six votes you have. Just to be clear, these are the six votes you have if you're a German citizen. If you're not a German citizen, you only get to vote for your local Berlin Abgeordnete, which is local politics, not federal politics. So, to go through the main candidates, it's actually a very close election because not one single party is polling right now above 25%, which is pretty amazing because the CDU, Angela Merkel is stepping down and they were in the lead, but their chancellor candidate is Armin Laschet, which just frankly, nobody likes. He is 60 years old, he's the premier of the biggest state in Germany, which is Nordrhein-Westfalia. And a recent poll found that actually only 35% of Germans think he'd make a good chancellor. And then we have, interestingly, Annalena Baerbock from the Greens. She's 40 years old. I think a lot of people see the Greens as have standing for something and something quite important because we've recently had floods in Germany. Climate change is one of the biggest issues facing us. The only kind of problem with her, I guess, is that she doesn't have any real experience. Yeah, and the Greens were, I think, they kind of lost face a bit in Germany recently, right? Because during the floods, which was a climate change issue and is there, they're the Green Party. It was a huge letdown the way they reacted to us. We have a whole podcast episode about that. You should go listen to it for more. Yes, even though we strongly agree with the Greens and probably the misinformed team will vote for the Greens, we do have a podcast that is called What's the point of the Greens? However, in the analysis, it does say that the reason why they didn't comment strongly on the floods is because the Greens, which I can totally see, are seen as being a bit preachy, and they really want to stop this kind of preachiness. They're being very reserved when it comes to talking too much about climate change, which is a bit strange, but that's how it is. They were leading and then there was a big kind of scandal about these plagiarism accusations about her book. So, you know, her popularity went down. And then Olaf Scholz from the SPD, which is the centre-left party, one of the main parties of the, the CDU and which is in coalition right now. He's currently the vice chancellor and the finance minister. He's doing very well. And he's doing very well by basically emulating Angela Merkel, because I think a lot of people are afraid that when Merkel goes after 16 years, we're going to lose stability. And he's the guy who is promising stability, continuity, he's got a lot of experience, he's 63 years old, he's been in power and in German politics for quite a long time. He's been doing things like even the Merkel rhombus, which is where she puts her hands together when she's thinking in that beautiful way. In a recent TV debate, Armin Laschet even said, look, you're just emulating Angela Merkel, which is very interesting because she's from a different party. In one of their posters, the SPD posters, has got a picture of him that says, ich kann Kanzlerin, like I can be a chancellor, but the chancellor is put in feminine. 
which is very interesting from a gender point of view because normally women are trying to emulate men to show that they can be in power whereas in this instance he is feminizing himself to show that he can be a good person in power which is massive for gender politics right we've been led through some of the most for germany in recent times intense crises and tough situations whether it be economic health-wise by a female chancellor and I might not agree with her politics at all times, and I definitely do not agree with the politics of her party, but she has done a phenomenal job of leading this country through those hardships. What's interesting is, as you see, Schultz showing that he's the natural successor of Merkel, even though he's from a different party. But what's interesting about Merkel is she's very pragmatic and not idealistically necessarily aligned with the CDU. The Welt once wrote that she might just go down as the most successful social democratic chancellor of all time. Because some of her policies, like minimum wage, getting rid of military conscription, were not exactly in line with the CDU. And now without her, I think the CDU is going way more into its traditional kind of roots, which means that I guess they would have lost a lot of votes that would have gone to Merkel to their SPD. So I think the SPD has a very good chance. Then we've got Kristen Lindner from the Freie Democratic Party, the FTP. That's about it in terms of candidates that people think potentially have a chance, right? It's Scholz, Laschet. Baerbock and Lindner, maybe. Well, we've got the AFD, which, by the way, we agree with the least in our Wahl amount, unsurprisingly. I was just going to pretend like the AFD don't exist, which is a terrible thing to do, because obviously pretending like something horrible doesn't exist doesn't make it go away, but... 12% of Germans agree with them. 12% of Germans are idiots. And it's very far right. They don't believe, for example, that climate change is man-made at all. So there are two leaders of the AFD. It's Alice Wiedel and Tino Trupala, which doesn't sound German, so we should investigate that. Just to show you, like, Trupala, who is a disgruntled ex-CDU voter, joined the AFD in 2015 because of the refugee policy. And he tweeted, The killing of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter movement only showed what a dead-end multiculturalism is. And that makes him moderate AFD. So that just shows you how extreme the AFD is, and hopefully they won't do very well. Another thing, just that the AFD is really funny about everyone's got these digitalization policies going on, and Germany, as everyone knows, is totally behind. We have slow internet. People still use fax machines here. Literally, the man in charge of the election said that there is some digitalization taking place when it comes to the way Germany votes. If you're not in Germany, and you've never lived here, and you've never tried to get anything done, it involves an enormous amount of paperwork, and the election is no different. It is all done by paper. And this man, with a straight face, I believe his name is Georg Thiel, said, Yes, we're starting to digitalize. We're using phones and sending emails. Yeah, so the, the people are allowed to send an email with the result after they've done everything by hand and counted all the paper. But that's Germany. <laughs> and funnily enough, one of the policies of the AFD when it comes to their digitalization policies is that they want 5G to be scientifically studied for possible health hazards. 
That's quite nicely ridiculous. Pretty nicely, the Greens want to invest in IT solutions to make the power grid more energy efficient. And the linker says everyone should have the right to fast internet. Okay. The thing about the linker is, is that I'm not a communist by any means, but I definitely agree with left-leaning policies. If you've listened to this podcast, I feel like that's fairly obvious. My issue with the linker is more so they feel really naive to me in the sense of, of course, I want leftist policies to succeed. Like, of course, I want the destruction of a racist, sexist, patriarchal structure. To go back to quote Noam Chomsky, how we always do, he says that there's some problems that are so immediate you have no choice but to work within the existing structures. But I understand their approach in terms of we're going to work within the structures of the German government to try to make the world a better place. And that's so wonderful. And that's so lovely. But I think they're forgetting the fact that the social infrastructure that we have in Germany is due to certain things, right? Germany exports a lot of weapons. We export cars. These are two of our main industries. So first, you need to tackle the problem of redoing our industry so that we can have income sources from different places before you tackle all these problems, because otherwise our infrastructure fails. I am in favor of some infrastructure in terms of we should have public universities, we should have hospitals, we should have a social system that catches people should they be unable to work. I'm in favor of all of these things, and I'm not naive. I realize that these things are all financed through not that great means sometimes. So we need to reevaluate the way that our country is structured and what our income sources are so that we can keep these infrastructures in place that help people. The Linke Party, for me, are naive because they come in and they say, we're going to get rid of all of these things. Cool. How are you going to finance things that keep people alive? For me, the Linke Party is problematic because it's comprised of a lot of ex-communists who were in power during the dictatorship of the DDR. Also very valid, correct, yeah. <laughs> and that's problematic. Of it's course. got nothing to do with communism. Those are just old authoritative figures and they're just still in politics. The other thing is they don't believe in things like Europe and things like that. So it's kind of not practical, right? Yeah, I mean, they lack the practicality to realize the way things actually work. But it's interesting that Janine Wiesler, who is one of the joint heads of the Linker, she has a very nice quote. She described capitalism as an inhumane, cruel system, and that a system change cannot be achieved through parliament or government. So that's quite cool. But why is she in parliament or government then, if she doesn't believe in it? She's read Noam Chomsky. <laughs> it's quite funny. I mean, I think also the Greens, like if the Greens come into power, they're going to have the same problem, because what about the car industry? What about the weapons industry? I don't think they're going to be able to do anything about that, but they will be maybe working on legislation to make everything more energy efficient and putting a few more constraints on these industries, but fully these are the industries that fund Germany. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they they need to have their place, right? Like, we need the Green Party, we need the Left Party, like, we need leftist liberal voices in government, like, definitely, 100%. But we, I don't know, I just, there's something so naive about them. And I don't mean naive in a negative way. I mean naive in a very Susan Sontag way, in the sense of it's coming from a place of purity. Susan Sontag defines naive as being completely unpretentious and coming from a very pure and honest and well-meaning place from Notes on Camp. So like, 
people, maybe not necessarily the Linke, but people who genuinely care about the environment, who are voting for the Green Party, they're doing it in this naive way of genuinely caring about the environment. And it's such a pure act when they vote. But the Green Party, I think, have realized that they have to be pragmatic and not go on about green issues too much or be seen in this kind of preachy, pure way. And that's why they have not focused, funnily enough, on green environment issues that much in the way that they traditionally have because now mm. they've got a chance of getting into power and they've put more kind of a pragmatic approach on their messaging. I mean, I guess just the point I'm trying to make is the fact that if Germany votes in a green chancellor, that's great, that's amazing, yay for the climate, but that doesn't change the fact that the rest of the world does not operate like that. And on a global scale, I don't want to say like we need to be able to keep up. The world is not black and white. And if Germany goes green, 100% amazing, awesome, the rest of the world isn't. But it's never going to go green because the amazing thing about this country is you get coalition. So there has to be a coalition. There will be for sure with how it's looking. And what would be your ideal coalition? I have no idea. Definitely not the CDU, and definitely not the IFD. That goes without saying. Definitely, you know, something vaulty, something greeny. I would say red, red, green. Because the SPD Schultz is center-left, but not very left, even within his own party. He's very middle ground. He is actually, in a way, Merkel's successor. So he has that stability, that's cool. And then the green, they bring the green politics. And then the linker, they make it a bit different and throw something a little bit revolutionary in there. There was a great article in the New York Times about how everyone is torn. I feel like everyone is torn about who the hell to vote for in this election, because Everything is so boring and steady and stable, and that might be an effect of Merkel for 16 years, which that approach has worked. You know, she's really brought down politics to a very practical level. It might also be because that's Germans and they're not showy. And then also, of course, it's got to do with the last very charismatic chancellor that was in Germany in the 1930s. And so people are very reluctant to be so big and visionary and expansive in a way that's very clear. Yeah, Helmut Schmidt once famously said, Wer Vision hat, sollte zum Arzt gehen, which translates to, if you have visions, you should go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah, it's very typically German. So Adenauer, who was the first post-war chancellor, he promised no experiments. So it was very much the German way to be very practical. And you can see that, though, before everyone was happy to just vote for Merkel because she was doing kind of a solid job. And now I feel like people are a little bit torn. Yeah. I do genuinely think, regardless of how you feel about her politics, we are all going to miss Merkel when she's gone. Because I think in a very turbulent world, her very calm, rational, pragmatic approach to everything is going to be missed. And I think that she has done, as a figurehead, a very good job of calming the nation and being super rational. But also, I feel like it's been so many years of Merkel that a lot of people are craving vision and a more decisive direction rather than just going along. And therefore, we might get something like the Greens or the Linker. I think the CDU is out after Merkel. And I think we might get very strongly shots if people do crave the stability. It'll be very interesting. It's very close right now to see what's going to happen. We're excited. We are excited. We will both be voting. And on that note, here are 
are three things you can do to be a better person. Number one, if you can and are eligible, vote. Thing two, do the Valomat. You can find it by googling Valomat. Val spelled with an H, not without it, because that means whale. And number three, after the debates in Germany, a lot of people thought that Scholz, who was kind of copying Merkel, won, even though with his words he didn't, but he conveyed an aura of calm, confidence, and was pragmatic, like Merkel has been. So take inspiration from this. Thank you for listening. Until next week, goodbye. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you like, you can share your internet obsessions with us. Tweet us at the underscore miss underscore informed or follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed. You can also send us an email at misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. You can also listen and subscribe via YouTube for news about the show or upcoming events and links to all our sources, references, and other geeky inspiration. Subscribe to our newsletter. You can find the link via our Instagram. We are an independent, non-profit podcast. If you would like to show us some love, you can make a one-off donation via our SoundCloud or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash misinformed. Thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.